Seinfeld, the nap is over, but we're just getting started here on the Seinfeld post-show recap here on postshowrecaps.com, a podcast about nothing. And now, here are the two guys who are very excited for Fitted Cap Day this season. I'm Rob Sussman. Here's Akiva Winokur. Keith, how are you? I assumed we were going to get it. Two guys who have never committed manslaughter. Oh, that's good. That would be good also. You mean inadvertent life ending? Uh, yes, we've never, we've never, uh, we've never accidentally killed someone on purpose. <laughs> I can't believe it's not murder. Yeah, that's actually a pretty good joke that holds up, honestly. Yes. Okay. So here we are, Keeve, ready to talk about the nap from Seinfeld season eight. Keeve, I had to pop in the fourth DVD in the DVD player of season eight. Uh, boy, only five DVDs left in our Seinfeld uh, rewatch. Yeah, yeah. I, I rank, you know, I sort of gauge everything in life by how many DVDs are left. So <laughs> by that metric, we are really closing in. And uh, yeah, it was it was a weird feeling to pop in that final DVD of season eight. So you're saying the next time you watch a DVD, it will be uh, season nine Seinfeld. Yes, this is the only time I am watching a DVD is when I'm watching them uh, for this project. And so here we are. Final DVD. Very excited. Uh, Keeve, uh, that uh, I, I don't want to like uh, bury the lead here. So I flew in to New York last night. I'm here that we're going to be doing a live uh, Survivor podcast uh, this week at Caroline's. And I ran into one of our listeners at the airport. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. One, uh, one of our I, listeners. If you said one of your listeners, that's OK. Like the odds of that are small, but possible. One of our listeners. That seems impossible. Yes, yes. Who did you, you run into? I ran into uh, Millennial Max that I saw. I saw him at the airport. Just randomly standing at the airport. Yeah. And I said to him, uh, Millennial Max, give me a question for the podcast. I'll record it and then play it tomorrow uh, for the nap. And he had nothing. Yeah, he didn't write in either. Yeah. <laughs> so, was he coming or going? Classic Millennial Max. That Listen, those coming. are millennials. They're not prepared. Yeah. <laughs> coming back to New York. He was going back to New York. He was in in, in L.A. Uh, that uh, that he is uh, stationed in New York and uh, that he is uh, now headed. Uh, he was headed back. Oh, well, that's and he and you didn't recognize him. Right. Or you do know what he looked. No, like. I, I, I've met him before at, at the uh, that he's been to a few of those shows. So um, I, I saw him and then uh, I was trying. But I tried to get some Seinfeld uh, some feedback on the fly from the people. Yeah, on the he streets. said <laughs> He said, make sure Kiva gets a mic again. Yeah, that's what he said. Okay, so anyway, uh, excited to talk about this. I think this is a pretty fun episode, uh, The Nap. I did enjoy this on the on the rewatch. So excited to looking forward, uh, looking forward to getting into this with you. The return of uh, George Steinbrenner also. Yeah, almost a different looking George Steinbrenner than previous, but. Yeah, a little bit of a different look to uh, the Steinbrenner. We didn't get uh, too much. Like we had him like out and about uh, quite a bit, but I think they did that a little bit towards the end of the Larry David uh, tenure. Like even not, we didn't just get him behind the desk. No, we didn't just get him behind the desk, but it looks like it's a different stand in this time, possibly. <laughs> possibly. All right, so we'll talk about all of that. Keeve, uh, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Exciting to be talking to you while you're in New York. I feel like it's a different energy. A little bit of different energy, yeah. The New York pods and the LA pods, everyone knows, they're just a little bit different. Yeah, tapped into that uh, New York energy. I think this might be, uh, maybe one last time I might be doing a uh, New York podcast with you before we get to the end of the line. Right, well, I mean, the last one we're doing from Australia, but that's, you know, (laughs) I don't like that. 
I don't think there's a stopover <laughs> right. in New York for that. Right. I'll have one more New York trip like July or August, and then uh, that'll be it for uh, doing this on the road. But uh, excited to get into the nap. So let, let's uh, let's jump into this. I have to go visit my Nana later on this afternoon. So um, up up against the, uh, the or under the gun, I guess. Mm. Is Aunt Baby there also? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so uh, let's go back to April 10th, 1997. Uh, Now we are way too far away. We may never catch up again. No, I don't think we could spin back around one more time. I think we're done. That's it. All right. So this episode is written by uh, Cavett and Robin, and we've talked about quite a bit here in season eight. And we open up with uh, George and Jerry talking about that uh, bit that you mentioned at the top of the show about manslaughter, about how it's the most socially acceptable form of murder. Yeah, this does sound like a Jerry stand-up bit that just happens to be on the street. Yeah. Should we rebrand it? Uh, They talk about inadvertent life ending. I can't believe it's not murder. Really um, doesn't tie into the episode at all, unless you really want to say that the bomb threat is uh, something like murder. But no, I no, just, no, no. That's a stretch. Yeah. Yeah. Big and story. also, where are they sitting? We, we never see that really before. Again, it's like a sidewalk cafe. Strange. Yeah. So we start the episode proper at Monk's. And George is talking about how he was up all night watching the Omen trilogy. And uh, they talk about like uh, how cool the devil is. <laughs> uh, Keeve, I think you're like me. You don't like these scary movies, right? No. I've almost never, other than Scream, I think I've never seen a scary movie. Yeah. You see, so you wouldn't watch The Omen. No, I thought it was a new movie. Also, I didn't realize maybe they like remade The Omen, but I, I thought The Omen was like a modern type movie, not like an 80s movie. <laughs> and uh, George says that he's exhausted. The only thing that's getting through the day is a good nap. Uh, I mean, I feel the same way at about 1130 every day. I feel like if I don't have a nap, I can't make it to nine o'clock at night. So when do you nap? You nap in your office? I usually don't. I, 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 I it, there's a point in the morning where you think, oh, it's impossible physically for me to stay up, but then you just have coffee or, you know, something happens. And then next thing you know, it's the end of the night. And then you just do the same thing like a million more times. And then that's it. And you like just die eventually. Yeah. (laughs) Eventually. I I just don't like, I don't know. The nap in theory is great, but I I feel like it, especially now with like the extra kid, it's hard to pull off. It is. And how long is your average nap? my, My problem is, I don't know if I've discussed this on the show, but I'm like the world's heaviest sleeper. So, like, alarm clocks don't even wake me up. So, if I fall asleep, I will basically stay asleep until my wife walks into the room and starts yelling. Like, what are you doing? It's like, two in the afternoon, why are you napping? Why is my husband a bum? Like, where's my wife's phone number? Yeah, I could see that. I I get that. That makes sense. Uh, I am pretty good on these naps where I could take a nap for, like, anywhere from, like, 10 to 15 minutes. And then I just feel like it's like uh, rebooting the computer. It's like, oh, I'm having problems. Okay, turn it off, reboot. And then uh, and then I'm pretty good to go. Yeah, to me, it just makes me more tired. Sometimes what I will do is uh, like I will drink a cup of coffee and then take a nap and then and then reboot. And then I'm pretty good to go. Like the coffee is like kicked in while I was sleeping for 15 minutes. It's actually a decent idea. Maybe I'll try that. <laughs> Give it a shot. Okay. So uh, Elaine is uh, meeting up with a guy named Hal. They're going to go for a walk in the park. Uh, she likes that because a walk in the park is almost as good as being alone. You don't have to look at the person. It's also a good point. Like you're sort of walking next to them. I do think the walking date might be an underrated date. Yeah, because it's over. You don't spend money. It's quick. It's breezy. 
you know, I think there's, um, you know, uh, natural topics of conversation. Hey, look at that. Hey, what's that over there? That's true. Like, if it's awkward, you could be like, hey, look at that stupid guy running a unicycle. <laughs> yeah, it's something. <laughs> it's something. Okay, so Kramer comes in. He has just swam 200 laps, Kramer. Sounds like a, a lot of laps. That's a that's a lot of laps. Yes. Uh, and uh, that Kramer swimming is going to be a big deal here in this episode. Uh, is this in character for Kramer to suddenly be a huge swimmer? It, I mean, he doesn't hate exercise. It's not the craziest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. I mean, he should be afraid, right? He was thrown into a river recently, right? <laughs> yes. So the idea of him swimming in rivers seems like a little weird, but swimming in general isn't that crazy. Okay. So then we also find out that Jerry has a carpenter who's working up at his place, uh, Conrad. We're going to see a lot of Conrad working on Jerry's kitchen cabinets. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'll get this complaint out of the way. One issue I have with the nap. Sure. I think Conrad and uh, Elaine's boyfriend, Hal, I think they're just not, you know, cast well in this episode. Hmm. Uh, I, I agree with you on Hal. I, I actually think Conrad is uh, OK, but I do have some issues with him. Hal, Hal sounds like he just learned how to act two days ago. Like he's yeah. almost reciting his lines like so much that it takes you out of like out of character. Yeah, he's so awkward, Hal. I don't really get what they were going for there with Conrad. I uh, just like the amount of an- animosity with that Jerry has towards uh, Conrad. I-, I just don't understand why Jerry is so flustered with him so quickly. Yeah, I will say the tone in a lot of the Conrad scenes and a lot of the Hal scenes in this episode seems a little off from like usual Seinfeld tone. Yeah. All right. So we see George at work and uh, that he is, uh, you know, we t- we know he can't take a nap at work because he's got those big glass uh, doors where, you know, anybody could see in. And he's sort of like sleeping behind a giant green book that we learn is the AL directory. Keeve, in what year did they stop printing the AL directory? <laughs> what year was this? 1996? <laughs> 97. Uh- yeah, no, 93. It's like they, they, it's like the Yankees gave them the directory. They were sort of just guessing. Yeah, what is this, like the yellow pages of uh, the American League? It did always occur to me, like, what if I want to trade a player? And it's like the trade deadline, right? Mm-hmm. You just have, like, every GM's phone number. Yeah, yeah, I think so. You know, so. it's interesting. Like, can you send, like, a BCC email to all 31 teams in football saying, like, you know, I want to trade this guy today. Like, just okay, make so me an offer. Basically, you wonder if the real GMs have like the equivalent of like your fantasy football leagues functionality where it's yes. like, hey, looking for a kicker. Anybody got one? It just seems like it's very practical and I bet they don't do it. Uh, and then like if a team hates each other, I like think the they Jets do the it. it. It's just sort of called like MLB trade rumors. I, well, that's why I think they use reporters. That's how like the Buster Olney's and the Adam Schefter's operate because like they sort of spread the rumors for them a lot of times right yes they sort of trade information but i think like and what if a team hates each other like the jets and the patriots or the yankees and the red sox like i wonder if they don't even like give each other their phone numbers sure they have the phone numbers like hey lose this number don't call me there was a stat that the the patriots have made it belichick's made a trade with with every single team in the nfl but the jets since he became the patriots (laughs) why does he hate the jets so much uh well well the jets patriots hatred i know we're on topic here um, it started with the Patriots stealing Bill Belichick, who was supposed to be the Jets coach. So he right. wrote the little napkin. I resign as HC of the NYJ. Of course. Yeah. But why does Bill Belichick hate the Jets? And so the Jets sort of complained and there was a lot of like tampering issues back and forth. Yeah. And then and then the Jets stole Mangini. 
then the Patriots lock Mangini out of the building. Them from before to like uh, from 2006 on, I, I understand. But why pre 2006 did Bill Belichick hate the Jets? The, the, there were a lot of complaints back and forth between them and the league. I mean, didn't Leon Hess give Bill Belichick a million dollars from his deathbed? Did he do that? I'm pretty sure he did. I'm pretty sure he handed a million dollars on his deathbed. I think so. I think he gave oh, man. Uh, Bill Belichick. We should have. We have said dollars. before. Yeah, we, we are trying to get in someone's will on this podcast, so. We should have been there with Leon. Right? I, I'm you pretty know. sure that Leon Hesse from, uh, you know, his deathbed, like in good faith, gave Bill Belichick a million dollars so he would uh, take over the Jets. Well, I, I, I'm shocked that a rat like Bill Belichick wouldn't honor <laughs> the deal of a dying man. OK, well, uh, Keith, what about uh, that? We just uh, that uh, talk uh, uh, Jets uh, dirty laundry every week after we get to the end of Seinfeld. OK, let's, uh, I mean, that'll that's probably be longer than these Seinfeld episodes. <laughs> we'll do like three hours a week. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, Chris Mortensen reported back in, uh, I don't know what year this was, but it's a very old uh, version of ESPN uh, website about how uh, Bill Belichick took that million dollars from Leon Hess. Oh, yeah. We could do embarrassing jet stories all day. I was like going through like old New York Times jet stories like a couple months ago. Yeah. And they drafted a player 29th overall. It was the first pick in the second round. And he showed up to minicamp and they're like, nah, he doesn't look good. And they just cut him. In minicamp, yeah. <laughs> like this, like the 29th pick in the draft, which you could literally get now. If you wanted to buy the 29th pick in the draft, it, it's worth about $25 million right now. Certainly. Um, they, get, they cut the guy upon first sight. That's how inept they were back in the 80s. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, speaking of how inept uh, people are, let's get back yeah. to us talking about this. And uh, so we see that George is uh, now uh, frustrated. He can't take the nap at work. And he looks under his desk and says, oh, this could be a good place for me. Um, I mean, it is a good idea, but I, I feel like I, he doesn't even like I understand why he wants to like uh, spruce it up, but it doesn't feel like it really needs anything. And adding any component probably just takes away from like the sleeping space. No. Mm, yeah. I mean, I thought they extended it. So he had more headroom. I thought he had more sleeping space. Yeah, I guess. Okay. So we then go to Elaine at the park with her date with Hal. Did you know that Twinkies aren't cooked? Keith, have we touched on this? Are you a Twinkie guy? No, I'm not a Twinkie guy. I didn't think they were or weren't cooked. So I had no idea. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I probably would have naturally thought that they were cooked and then filled with the cream. I guess that's not the case. But no, I'm not a Twinkie guy. I don't think I've ever even had a Twinkie. Me neither. Also, they're chocolate. And I'm anti-chocolate. They're so not chocolate. Twinkies aren't chocolate. What color are they? Yellow. Oh, I'm a thing of the of the yodels. The, what's the brown ones? The yodels. I think that there's like uh, they have a lot of different names and a lot of different shapes. It's like they, there's like they have the same thing in like ten different things, and they're all called like ding dongs, yodels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't had any of those. I know what you're talking about. I haven't had any. Of yeah, no. A Twinkie is like a yellow tube filled with uh, cream. Yeah, I'm thinking about yodels. Yeah. So. No, that they are not cooked. And so Elaine sits on the park bench. He says, no, you can't sit on a park bench. That's bad for your back. Who knew? I mean, this guy's obsessed with backs. I guess he knew. Well, I guess if you had a bad back, I guess he'd be obsessed with a bad back. It's like if you have like a peanut allergy, you're obsessed with everything that has peanuts in. Yeah. Devil dogs. That's the other thing I was thinking of. Ring dings and devil dogs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's there, you know, that chocolate cake with uh, vanilla icing in it, you know, that that. You could do it like a hundred different ways. And I was anti-coffee cakes. That whole Drake's company could go out of business broadly. <laughs> yeah. I think they were out of business and then I feel like they came back. Yeah. 
Hate the Drake. Hate the Drake. Okay. All right, Keeve. Uh, so that they have all of these back stores all have funny names, allegedly. Uh, back in business, good verbrations, Elaine cites. He says, not this one. This one's called the Lumbar Yard. Yeah, there's, there's at least one more deleted scene that's like not funny at all. Yeah. Is this a true story? Is this uh, that all back stores are, let me see, uh, back pain store. Let me see. Let me look up. Okay. Relax the back. That's not really a pun. No. Um, hmm. I'm looking at to see if there are other back stores that have good puns, but no, I don't know if that's necessarily a thing. Yeah, I think they may have made this up or it was a 90s thing and they're all gone, possibly. <laughs> OK, so we go back to Jerry's apartment and see Jerry with Conrad. Conrad is working on new cabinets. I know that uh, I, I, you know, thought this myself. It's a spoiler. I know that in Chester's email, he talks about this as well. Jerry rents an apartment. Why is he renovating the cabinets? I mean, OK, it's an interesting question from a guy who built a studio in his rented house. Um, but no, that was I, function, I, I, functional. I mean, it's I know, not like, I know, why I know, would Jerry say like, you know what? The cabinets all need to go. Jerry doesn't seem to be concerned with the cabinets other than he's like, you know, I think I need to be having more cereal. These cabinets yeah. do not hold enough cereal boxes. It is strange, right? Like it, if the if the building was paying for it, fine. But he says it cost them four grand. Right. So unless unless it just cost them four grand to like fix it. But it doesn't seem like that's the case. So it's I think it's an oversight by the by the writers. It's insane. I, I don't understand any part of it, but we'll just roll with it. I mean, it. if you're wealthy enough, it's not that crazy to spend $4,000 to make your apartment that you might live in for a decade look nicer. I guess so, but it's just the the whole thing is is pretty bizarre because Jerry never complains about the cabinets. He does seem to like the job that Conrad does after he builds it out, but it just seems like that we are in season eight and uh, now we're just getting kind of meta with the set. Uh, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I think I, it's, it, you know, sometimes just things slip through the cracks and we're the VPs of common sense. We're not on set at this point, so <laughs> we can't help them out. OK, so uh, George comes in and he's rested and he's bragging about how he has built this uh, or is sleeping under his desk. Jerry thinks it sounds like a cool fort. And so George is asking Conrad a bunch of questions. Now, again, that Jerry is like so angry with Jerry's so mean to Conrad. Yeah, I mean, Conrad's annoying, but he's a, he gets he's a little over the top, especially that last one where he's just telling him, like, I'm leaving. You know, you do what you have to do. It's like almost a, he's too aggressive with it. Yeah, he's like, you know what? You figure it out. Uh, he says to Conrad eventually in the episode. So uh, that. George wants to borrow Conrad. Conrad's on Jerry's nerves. He says, here, why don't you go work on George's project? Um, yeah, I mean, is Conrad just like Jerry, Jerry's like full-time employee that Jerry could say stuff like this? You know, it's a little bit like shades. I don't think you ever watched Murphy Brown, but she, Murphy Brown had like the house painter at her house who was like never done finishing the job. And she would always I like... But she had a different secretary every yeah, week. She had both things. She had a different secretary every week and then she always had one guy who was like painting her house all the time. And she was always talking to that guy. And it's a little bit like that. Okay. Okay. So Jerry is talking to Elaine and uh, she wants to know uh, what's better for your back couch cushions or a folding chair. How is this a question? You mean it's obvious or, or like, first of all, why would you ask Jerry the last person on earth to know? Yeah. I mean, is that a thing like, Oh, this is too soft for my back. I need to sit on a hard folding chair. I think so. I think if you're the real back experts, I'm sure they have opinions like that. 
Uh, who's a, who would pick a folding chair over couch cushions? I can't even sit. I'm, I'm getting old. I can't even sit on folding chairs anymore. I know. I, I went to go uh, to a taping of American Ninja Warrior, and we had to sit on like like bleachers uh, there. Yeah. And I was on bleachers for like four hours, and I it, I was like in agony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like feet go numb, your butt goes numb. It's terrible. Yeah. No, I don't know. It was like a Survivor Endurance Challenge. I was like, I, I got to tap out. I can't sit on this bleacher for another minute. Would you have rather been doing like have been doing the Ninja Warrior course than sitting and watching <laughs> yeah. that? Okay. You think what you did was harder? It was. It was. Yeah, they, they, I needed a lot of endurance to sit there on those bleachers, and I went to a short one. Like it was over at like eleven o'clock. I think they go to like five o'clock in the morning. Yeah, new episode. Like Fear Factor's coming back, right? New episode. Just sit on bleachers for like six hours. Whoever <laughs> last longest wins. Okay, so they there's a delivery at Elaine's apartment from the lumbar yard. Uh, Hal has sent a mattress to Elaine. Very presumptive. I mean, mattresses are expensive. Like, this is after one date. Hal must be doing it right for himself. Yeah. I do think, though, that this is a little bit ahead of uh, its time, this idea. I mean, I think that here in 2017... You know, you hear a lot of talk about the Casper mattress. You go online. There's always like, okay, this is this custom mattress. Like, I think that the Silicon Valley has really, you know, made a big push into the mattress game about trying to design ergonomic, custom fitted mattresses. I think that in 1997, you know, 99% of people were calling, you know, 1-800-MATTRESS or going to Sleepies or something like that. I think that this is pretty unheard of. Yeah, you don't hear Sleepy's sponsoring any podcast nowadays. No, no. <laughs> 100 mattresses you left off the last S for savings. If it was for savings, why do you leave it off? That's a good question, right? Yeah. Like, uh, no, let's it leave off the last S for spending, but that makes no yes. sense. I, I feel like we're defeating your, your point here. <laughs> By the way, with the, the mattress after one date, that is, I, listen, we're not uh, ladies experts here, but if you're sending your significant other a mattress after one date, one that's showing like you're a good gift giver. Two, it's like I'm rich. I, I every guy should send their like a girl. Oh, you like, like this her. move? Oh, it's a great move. It, Harris Whittles, the late great Harris Whittles, had a joke which was like he would tell he would tell girls like early on like I'm rich, I'll buy you a couch. And he's like people would say like why do you say that? He's like well, girls love couches. Oh, um, so I think like yeah, you get a girl a mattress or a couch, and that's a power move from day one. I, I think it's a good move. Yeah. So, Keeve, Hal says later on in the episode, no, I was just trying to be nice. Are you buying that story? Uh, I mean, it's a little bit of everything, right? He's really into the back stuff. So this is like him buying. This is the equivalent of like if he was really into incense, like sending her some incense. He just happens to be really into back support. So he's sending her a mattress. Uh, and it's also like, hey, let's take the mattress for a test drive or something. They're like, there's a little bit of everything in there. To me... I feel like that he is more into the back stuff than into the Elaine stuff. So I, uh, I, I agree. There's no word. scene. You're right. There's no scene where he's like, you know, let's try out the mattress or anything. Right. So you're, you're, you're all right. I, I think it is. It is a back thing. <laughs> Not a baby got back thing. Ah, that's right. Okay. So we see George working with Conrad in the office and uh, there's, you know, they go back and forth a couple times about like George gives him an instruction 
And then Conrad says, uh, you mean something like this? So you mean like this? And he's like holding out his hands to uh, about AIDS. Like, how big of a shelf do you need? How big of a drawer do you need for a blanket, a blanket or a quilt? And uh, we see George having the same sort of frustration with Conrad. Conrad must be very annoying to work with. I think we all know a guy like this who's just like, he literally can't make up their mind about anything. They need hand holding all day never stops talking and they drive you crazy. Mm -hmm. But uh, I don't mind that of like, Hey, should I do it this way or should I do it this way? Um, I think that's fine with me uh, that I like, I would like to have somebody like as like um, for, for instance, like my uh, just to bring it to my relationship, but like, believe me that my wife is not asking me uh, a million questions about, do I like this or do I like this? Right. But if all she did was ask you questions, you'd you'd be like, I don't care. You just want, you want, you just, you want to be asked. You don't actually want to have right. an opinion either. Well, no, I, I would like to be asked that. I, have, I feel like I have a lot of opinions, but, uh, you know, I feel like that uh, I um, spend most of my time with somebody who could care less about my opinions. So it, it would be nice to be asked constantly, like, oh, what do you think of this? Do you like this? Um, no, I hear you. I, I, you know, it would be nice to be asked, but I like to stay out of like household projects. So I'm when my wife asks me something, then I ignore her and like or like mutter a one word answer. And she's like. Why don't you care? You, you should really care, you know, and then it's a whole, then it ends up a fight over not caring, which is annoying. Okay. All right. So we see the next morning that George has now gotten the completed desk, even though he's still annoyed when uh, we have Conrad asking him, what side do you want the cup holder on? And so, uh, but he loves it. He's very happy. Uh, Wilhelm uh, says hello and George uh, heads under the desk. I mean, I, you know, really, George should have just put shades in, right? Wouldn't have been easier if he's like, yeah, everyone blinds. Yeah, yeah, like every some sort of like everyone needs blinds like that would go over. Well, no one would ever ask him like, hey, how come you got blinds? You know, everyone just assumed that someone else was responsible for it and he would have been golden. Yeah, maybe he could have gotten like pinstripe blinds and say like, oh, look at this. Look at the look how decorative uh, this yeah, is. Team now. Spirit. Yeah, team spirit. Absolutely. It's a good idea. <laughs> it's a good idea. Now, is Wilhelm still dealing with his mental health issues or is that? I mean, (laughs) it's a good question that I think we'll explore next season. But listen, I think you're always dealing with mental health issues once you have. (laughs) All right. So we go back to Jerry and Kramer and Jerry's apartment. Kramer is not happy with the pool problems uh, going on because there's only a certain amount of time that he could swim his laps. Then they start like a... uh, what do they call it? A jazzer size. And they have a, like older people. He Kramer says he's like swimming through a flabby arm spanking machine. Does anything sound more nineties than jazzer size? <laughs> no, no. I think they would just call it like, Kramer, they would just call it like, you know, swim yoga or something now. And 50 people would show up. Oh, swim yoga. Yeah. That, that's mm-hmm. hot. Is it? Huge. I, don't, I don't know. That'd I, be huge. I just made it up now, but I think it's hot. Yeah. Okay. So Elaine comes in and she's like, Hey, get a hold of this. Uh, Hal sent me a mattress. How, by the way, Hal sounds like a guy who sends a mattress. Yeah. Now, Elaine is like so insulted by the mattress. She's willing to just give it to Kramer scot-free. Um, like in, insult. Right. And also, if this is a better mattress, give him the worst mattress. Um, I guess, I, you know, it's like if I take this in the house, now I have to let you in. It's that sort of thing. Right. It's like a social contract where it's like, well, you know, that if I accept this gift, then you are that's like you are tacit in uh compliance uh yeah a hundred percent yeah i think I, I think that that's like a smart woman move it's like 
I want the gift, but if I take it, it comes with a lot of strings, so I'm not going to do it. Right. Uh, so we never really get how Kramer gets the, the mattress from Elaine's house to his place. We only get the story of Kramer returning the mattress, but we don't see any part of like uh, how Kramer got the mattress from Elaine's house to his house. There's so much about the keys that's discussed that doesn't really pay off. Yeah, well, uh, there is a little bit. Uh, I think there's a little bit of payoff to that. So Kramer, uh, that he has a hole in his mattress. Uh, it sprung a leak. Elaine asked if he had a waterbed. No, a sand bed. It's like sleeping at the beach. Is that an actual thing? I think it's just a Kramer joke. I mean, that sounds like my worst nightmare. Like, I hate sand so much. I know the sand is in the bed. It's not necessarily in your ear, but... What happens yeah. when that mattress breaks? It's like the end of the world. Well, it would also weigh like 9,000 pounds. Oh, for sure. You'd have to, you couldn't, you'd have to like put the sand in once the mattress is inside, obviously. Yeah. You're never getting that in the elevator. Oh, I hate sand. I, I, I can't, I can't uh, hate sand more. And my wife is constantly purchasing things to she buy sand. sand. Oh, she, she buys buy, sand. Oh yeah. My, my wife's what? bought uh, a couple hundred pounds of sand over what? the years yeah to do what with like for that, your backyard no, like a for, the kids, for the kids to play with that they have Does it get to get in the house uh yeah it gets there it gets everywhere that sounds horrible yes uh, it is horrible and you know we have this sandbox in the backyard and you know i have like uh i pounded my fist on the table i said i do not want this and then a couple of months ago she decided that the sand was no good we had to replace all the sand and now that uh, the kids went to go play with the sand, and I'm pretty sure that rodents have taken over the sandbox. And yeah, that's what happens. Yeah. My, my, my kids used to have, like, sand in all their, like, nursery schools, but then, like, scorpions hide out in the sand. So, like, a kid got bit, that was the end of the sand. They got rid of, those, they yeah. got rid of all the sand. Well, now the sandbox, I, I believe, has, like, a lot of rodent droppings in it. And now... Guess whose job it is now to somehow dispose of this biohazard? Oh my god! Yeah, I like hope I, it's the law, law, you know the Los Angeles uh, biohazard department. No, it's me. That's terrible. Yeah, so I don't know. That's gonna that's gonna. I'm so anti sand. We're we're going to like a resort this summer, and like you know, it's like there's like a big pool, but there's also a beach right there, and we're we're already arguing. My wife and I and the kids like we're just gonna sit by the beach the whole time. My kids are like. No, we're going to go in the sand and play, make sandcastles and go in the ocean. The ocean is horrible. Then, it's, you know, especially with little kids, it's nerve wracking because they can get like swept away or whatever. Right. There's nothing fun about the ocean. Like the beach kills the ocean. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, pool over beach, right? Of course. Pool destroys the beach. Yeah. Okay. I mean, everything beats the beach inside. Like watching Netflix destroys the beach. Like if that's what the kids want to do on this vacation. <laughs> All right, so going back to Jerry and Conrad, that Jerry finally tells him, look, look, just finish this thing today. Whatever you think, figure it out. Just do it. Um, it Con to me, Conrad is like, he's just the slightest bit off a note as a character. First of all, he's the most timid handyman of all time. I feel like the typical handyman is like much tougher than Conrad. Hmm. Yeah. You feel like that he is a beta contractor? Yeah, yeah. Oh, he is a beta contractor. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> He's a snowflake. <laughs> all right. So George Steinbrenner returns. We haven't seen him at all in season eight. He comes in looking for Costanza and Larry David is back. Uh, I did watch the inside look. Uh, they talked a little bit about how Larry was back for the first time here in season eight. It was also Larry was doing lines that he didn't write for the first time. 
but everybody seemed like uh, they were happy because uh, Larry was laughing when he was uh, reading the lines. Yeah, it, it doesn't feel like, in the, the, other than that it looks different from the back, it doesn't feel like a different Steinbrenner. I do feel like this is the wackiest Steinbrenner that we get in uh, the in this uh, appearance. It's the dumbest Steinbrenner. I mean, he's very dumb by rule in the show, but he's pretty he's really stupid here. Yeah. So he comes in and he wants to know that song lyric that Costanza was singing. Do you like this uh, song Heartbreaker by Pat Benatar? I mean, I know of it. I don't I, I don't I don't like it. It's OK. It's fine. <laughs> I like it. You, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, it's a catchy tune and uh, that he's going to wait for Costanza to come back and he picks up the People magazine. A lot of People magazine uh, strewn about this episode. The People magazine back then was like um, it wasn't a celebrity magazine. Yeah. What it was, was it? It was like, um, I mean, maybe by 96 it had started becoming one. But like people used to have like longer articles. It was it was more of like a Sports Illustrated people type thing. Yeah. Where it like took it took things a little more seriously. Okay. Now it's a little bit more like, you know, we got to get the Kardashian on the cover, that sort of thing. Back then, they'd have like longer articles. Yeah. Do they do a ton of Kardashian stuff, People Magazine? Oh, yeah, of course. Okay. I mean, if they want to sell copies, that's what they do. Yeah. All right. So Steinbrenner picks up a copy of People. Uh, Connie Selica, ain't nothing wrong with that. Um, Con- yeah, Connie Selica, to me, this is one of the most confusing references because I thought it was a fake person. <laughs> So I was no. Googling Connie Selica, like S-E-L-I-C-A. Yes. I'm like, I've never heard of this person. And the only things that came up were Seinfeld related. So I'm like, oh, I don't know why they wouldn't just say like, you know, uh, Cindy Crawford, like whoever was big in 1996. Yeah. But apparently she's real. Well, here's the uh, coincidence here with Connie Selica. It looks like that her, uh, you know, uh, that her one of her biggest roles, like I guess her biggest breakout maybe might have been as uh, one of the leads in The Greatest American Hero, which was, uh, we mentioned only a couple episodes ago, because the theme to The Greatest American Hero was George's answering machine message. Is there some connection between uh, The Greatest American Hero and Seinfeld? Like uh, the episode where George was leaving the message, was that also written by these same guys? Uh, it was the, It was the episode written by the same people? I don't think so. Okay. Yeah, it just seems like that the, that somebody on the staff had to have been pretty obsessed with the greatest American hero. That uh, two major callbacks to that show. Yeah, I guess it came up a lot. Yeah. Okay. So then we go and see Elaine with Hal at Monks, and uh, she's upset about this. And Hal says, "No, no, 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 no! I just wanted to uh, get you this mattress. I sent them your your measurements." And uh, Elaine is now very impressed with Hal again. Yeah, no, listen, I, this isn't a hard spin for Hal. I think there's an easy spin zone. Yeah. And we take him at his word. Yeah. I mean, we don't really know his, like what's in Hal's mind. Yeah. Okay. So Kramer is looking for a new place to go and swim. Keeve, I, I think that we might have uh, the new leader in the clubhouse for worst effect in Seinfeld history with Kramer at the East River. I mean, it's so upsetting how bad it is. Yeah. I mean, I would have almost the- like cut this whole part. It's so bad. I would have like they shot it and like, I don't know how NBC sees this and says you could leave this in. It's so it's so terrible. What was the previous worst effect? Uh, there was a couple driving in cars. Um, you know, when they're driving up to the bubble board or whatever, there's it, like, it's pretty fake when they're driving a few times. Yeah. There's, but, oh, there, you know what? There's a, one of the first episodes they're in, I think maybe a cab or something 
and it's like cartoonishly fake. Yeah, but it's and they're all car based. Outside, this is the worst one. Yeah, so they built like a dock uh, to have them jump off of and to go into the river. And yeah, it looks really, really fake. Uh, there's a kid and he's like looking through what What do you call that? Binoculars? Yeah. Uh, no, it's like a telescope type thing. Yeah, like a telescope type thing. And it is a funny exchange between the father and the son about like uh, that. The kid says, look, there's a man in the water. And the father is like, no, son, it's probably just a dead body. You see, uh, when the mob wants to whack people, they throw them <laughs> into the river. <laughs> Uh, so uh, that was when we see the Kramers now swimming in the East River. I mean, is this a thing? Has anybody ever done this? Gone swimming in the East River? I'm sure people do this. Yeah. Yeah. Are you allowed to do it? Is it illegal? I, it's a good question. I'm not sure. Okay. All right. I think all exercise should be illegal. So I'm the wrong guy to ask. <laughs> all right. So we go back to the hallway. We see Kramer with Jerry. And Jerry was, so what is that smell? Kramer's been uh, swimming in that East River. Yeah, I mean, I guess it, it's like, who? I, you don't smell it when you walk by it, but I guess it stinks. Yeah. And so Kramer says, no, 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 there were other people uh, out there. That's, uh, other people are swimming. Uh, but Jerry says, uh, that's the most heavily trafficked uh, waterway on the eastern seaboard. And Kramer says, well, technically Norfolk has more gross tonnage. Yeah, that's a, like a funny line, actually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so and I like the callback to the uh, dead bodies also floating in the East River. Yeah. And how ca- like casual everyone is about it. Yeah. OK. Um, so Jerry walks in to his apartment and sees uh, the new cabinets. Uh, what do you think of the cabinets, Keith? I mean, it's it's tough. I'm no design expert, but it feels like it turned the room from a giant room. We I don't, like. You think about it now, that's like a really big open room for an apartment and it just it makes the whole place look small, right? Yeah. I don't know. Like, and functionally, I don't really understand like how it all worked. I mean, I guess maybe if he doesn't have a gas stove or like a water line to the refrigerator, but like the range is moved to the middle of the room and the refrigerator is swung around. Like, uh, I'm not sure functionally you know, if this was uh, made any sense to do it. And he did it like in a day. Yeah. I, I wonder if he was sabotaged because Conrad's mad at him. <laughs> That's possible. I, I don't know how like that. It's, it's all the same stuff. And, and like, I mean, all the supplies that were bought, I, it, you know, it seems uh, pretty impractical, but I, I do kind of like it. So you prefer it this way? Uh, I, if it was like, I, I like all the cabinet space. And cabinet okay, space yeah. is huge, Keeve. It is huge. Trust me. As someone who like does the dishes, puts the dishes away, you always want more cabinet space. Right. Because if you have enough cabinet space, then you can put all your food in your own cabinet so nobody else eats it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You lock those cabinets. Right, right. And then you know and you open your cabinet. Because most normal people have their own food. <laughs> right, right. And then... Do you label your own food in your house? What's going on here? No, I don't label it, but I put, like, uh, my stuff, like, uh, where I know where it is, like... Uh, Are your kids allowed to eat it? Like, if they say, hey, can I have some of that? I mean, if they asked me, uh, they could They could ask... What? As they get older, are you going to, like, start eating it when they're not around so they don't see it? Um, I mean, I like to have my own stuff for the week. You know, I want to have my, uh, my, you know, what I know I'm going to need for the week. Are you bad at sharing? I, I wouldn't say I'm bad at sharing. Um, 
I don't know. I don't. I didn't look. I mean, I know what I want to eat for the week. I want to have certain. Are you allowed to eat your wife's food? Like, is everything sort of like you know cordoned off? Like, she's got her stuff. The kids got their stuff. You have your stuff. I don't think it's that segregated. Because you drop this as if it's like normal when you said it. <laughs> and like, I happen to like listen to enough of your podcast. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I feel like most people wouldn't even like, what does this person say? Like, he's food. Yeah. Uh, Keith, I can't speak for, for everybody. I, I just mm. know like, uh, you know, I'll go to the grocery store and buy what I need for the week. Right. And you would, you would not be okay with a Kramer coming over. Oh, certainly not. Food. Certainly not. Yeah. Hmm. You know, so when you when you say like you don't have a lot of friends, it's like you don't you wouldn't allow them. It's it's the sharing issue, basically. I you mean, don't it, if I them. if I was having people over, I would go out and buy stuff for to share with the yeah. uh, with the guests. Like not I really, stuff you like, though. Not stuff. just just food that wasn't yours. Like I, I eat the same thing for, you know, almost every single day. So I basically like, you know, have buy enough to get me through the week of, you know, until I go to the store again. Okay. So, you know, everything is sort of like, uh, you know, figured out. So if you gave out some food to your wife or your kid, you'd have to go to the store a day earlier, basically. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, and I only go to the store on certain days. Like it's like, a, uh, I'm on a tight schedule, Keith. I hear you. I hear you. You should really get they, But don't they, they don't have like the same way you have like uh DoorDash or, caviar or or what are the other ones we were talking about a couple weeks ago yeah I they just, don't have that for groceries uh well i i think they probably do have that but i think it starts to get expensive uh, i mean I does it i mean i would that. i would actually think that the grocery stores if you have a big enough order it would be you know much more reasonable than a restaurant yeah i guess so but then you still have to make you still have to make the food it's easier for me to just like when i drop my kid off for the school make i think we're, we're losing you're people buying, on this you're yeah. buying homemade food no i think what people are interested here you yeah. buy homemade you buy like no homemade I, food at the grocery no, I store buy, i buy like all the ingredients i need to make the, the okay food. okay fine. and okay. snacks and stuff okay if you want more snack talk from uh right in it well next week <laughs> we'll, we'll dive into his we can re- we can revisit this sure <laughs> uh anyway so uh, Elaine is in her apartment. She's uh, on the mattress. And what is that smell? Again, I don't know how the timing on this worked. We just saw Kramer get out of the East River. Uh, and then did he go in there, go to sleep on the mattress, and then go right to dropping it off at Elaine's house? Well, what if it's not his first time in the East River? So the mattress already smells like the East River from his last swim. I feel like that based on what we see in the episode, I think we're supposed to believe it's the first time. I mean, everybody's okay. commenting on what he smells like, unless it was like that he got out of the East River and then moved Elaine's mattress. That's um, possible. You know, that, that that might make sense. Yeah, that's possible. Okay. So we see Steinbrenner still waiting for George and uh, that it's, uh, he talks about like uh, maybe he should leave and no. And then uh, it's very funny. They bring in uh, Mr. Steinbrenner. Your grandchildren are here. And uh, they bring in like uh, like six kids to sit on his lap and uh, a little dog. <laughs> yeah. Um, kind of a big dog, actually. Yeah. I, I, I like the idea that, first of all, Steinbrenner, these would have been like his like great grandkids, probably. But probably. Um, I wonder what was one of the kids named Brian? I was like going to Google and see like if he actually had a kid with that name or if he like if he's like the next owner of the Yankees, that little kid. Right. Are these Hal's kids or Hank's kids? That's a good question. Or Jennifer's. Yes. Uh, Jennifer's. No. Hus- this, people forget the son-in-law was supposed to be the 
The spo- yeah. was supposed to be the heir apparent, and then she divorced him just in time for him not to be. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that guy really got messed over. He'd be the owner of the Yankees now, except his wife kicked him out. Mm-hmm. That's like a the real double whammy. <laughs> like, if my wife kicks me out, it's just like, all right, I have to like make myself dinner. That guy yeah. was going to be the owner of the Yankees. You don't think he dodged a bullet? To be the owner of the Yankees? I mean, he could have sold it if it stunk for a couple billion dollars and made so. some money off of it. I guess so. Or he could have run it into the ground also. I mean, possibly. That's what happened with the Lakers, right? When the, when the patriarch died. So that the uh, kids are running around. There's like a kid that sees George. George is like, shoo, shoo, go away. The dog is, is going to be licking his face. Uh, he calls up Jerry. And uh, this never gets old for me when we have one of these phone calls where George is in distress, calls up Jerry. He's freaking out. And Jerry always gives him the, who is this? Jerry! Yeah. Jerry! <laughs> I also, I mean, I guess Steinbrenner maybe is hard of hearing, but it's also very sitcom-y like, they're an inch away from each other, and George is trying to like talk loud enough that Jerry could hear, but not Steinbrenner. Yeah, and so he tells Jerry, "You need to call in a bomb threat." Yeah, like in terms of like Costanza evil levels of thinking, this is up there. Like this is pretty impressive by George. Yeah, I mean, um, why can't Jerry just report a fire? Yeah, I think that probably makes more sense, right? <laughs> okay, so call in a bomb threat, and Jerry goes very quickly. Well, I need to have a reason. I need to have a demand. <laughs> right. So the demand is uh, is fitted hats. Yes. Uh, well, we'll get we'll get to that. Uh, but I love that Steinbrenner says to the kids like, uh, hey, you kids know all the tunes. Uh, see if this <laughs> song rings a bell. Uh, heartbreaker. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, As if even if they knew that song, they would know the name of it, which is what he's looking right. For. They know an 80s uh, Pat Benatar song. Well, yeah. what, uh, why don't they just Shazam it? Yeah. So uh, the secretary comes in, uh, Steinbrenner, uh, get, there's a bomb in the building, quick. Uh, and he says, uh, get everybody under the desk. And uh, that's when they find George and we cut the commercial. Yeah, pretty amazing. Okay. So uh, we see George in Steinbrenner's office. And uh, again, he's not mad. He says, uh, Costanza, you must have had ESP. You knew that the bomb was going to be in the building. Yeah, you know, we've railed the bo- upon, like, actual violence being threatened to the gang, like, gun-related stuff. Does the bomb threat bother you or no? No, because it wasn't a real bomb threat. You know, it was right. uh, just talk about a bomb threat, but there was no actual bomb, no actual bomber, no actual terrorist. Right. In a, in a pre-9-11 world, it seems like something that, you know, I'm sure in, on the news, though, you'd see, like, a kid did it to get out of a final one, you know, or something like that. Right. Uh, probably a missed opportunity to work in a Bronx bomber reference. Mm, not bad. <laughs> That's what he should have called himself. <laughs> yeah, called himself the Bronx bomber. That's good. <laughs> okay. Uh, so Steinbrenner uh, tells George, uh, put a thought in his mind. Uh, it was meatballs. Uh, so the terrorists had a specific demand uh, fitted hats. Yes, for 57,000 people. No more cheap adjustable hats on hat day. Fitted hats just like the players wear. First time I ever went to a Yankee game, it was actually bat day, not hat day. Yeah. And like, it got a little violent. I think they stopped it for a while. They were like really, they were not full-size bats, but I think they actually may have been. They were like really big wooden bats. Um, and like, there was like a couple fights between like people hitting each other with bats. And then there was, they went to like small bats the next time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good move. All right. Elaine comes to visit Jerry at the apartment. She is not fond of the cabinets. Uh, she says, uh, it's like you're selling movie tickets back here. Yeah, it does look like uh, where you'd buy something for a sack lunch. Yeah, and Kramer funked up her mattress. She's complaining about that. Kramer comes in 
and he thinks he's on the wrong floor. Yeah, that is funny where he says to himself, like, oh, wrong floor again. Yes. Um, and she says, thanks for ruining my mattress. Kramer is uh, finally coming to the conclusion that the East River might be polluted. And uh, I mean, he talked about how Jerry said that it was the most polluted waterway. Uh, he said Norfolk has more t- gross tonnage. Yeah, I mean, Kramer, not the most consistent character, right? Right. Uh, then George comes in and he's upset and he says, you know, this is really obtrusive. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it is, right? It, it's, it really makes it just suffocating how much smaller it seems. Yeah, but I think that we are in a very season eight scenario where we take the core four, much like how we did with them in the janitor closet. I think you could probably also draw a line to them at the cockfight. Here is the core four in a bizarre situation, all commenting on the bizarre situation that they're in. Um, you see, this would not have happened in an earlier season. I hear. Right. It's just like, okay, well, what else do we do with them? Let's just put them in something weird and have them comment on it. Yep. There will definitely be more of that to come in season nine. (laughs) Okay. All right. So they're all leaving. Elaine's leaving. Kramer's leaving. George is uh, very upset about fitted hat day because he is in charge of fitted hat day. He has to figure out hat sizes for 55,000 people. Now, Keith, at these giveaways, they never have uh, 55,000 available. It's always like the first 15 that walk in the door, the first 20K, right? Right, right. Um, and they never have multiple sizes of anything. Like No, no, but that's why. Well, listen, they don't usually have a terrorist demanding things like that, though. Yes. Uh, as we find out that Jerry's hat size is seven and five eighths. Do you know your hat size? Yeah, people wrote in and asked us. I did once wear a hat. I wore like uh, I went to like a more like right wing school when I was in eighth grade. A right wing school? Like a uh, right wing, like Orthodox religiously. I, so they have no, I have no idea what that means. Okay. Like more Orthodox, like closer to ultra Orthodox. Okay. Okay. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Okay. Um, so they made you wear black hats for, for like the prayer service in the morning. Okay. Well, I didn't even so know I, there was right wing and left wing of uh, Orthodox. Yeah, sure. It's like modern, like modern and like, I guess like Hasidic would be like right wing. Okay. And then left wing would be like, I don't know. But um, the it, that's for another reform. Another reform. Well, reform's not orthodox. Oh, uh, okay. Well, whatever. Um. So, what's it called? So yeah, I wore a black hat for um. I had to wear one. Although once, like, they stopped making a couple kids wear them. Like then they were just like they ended up just stuffed in everyone's locker, and and they were gross by the end of the year. But uh, I I'm trying to remember my hat size, but I don't remember. I had to like go to Brooklyn to one of these stores and like get. It was like one of the worst days ever. I hate Brooklyn. I hate like shopping. So it was like a triple whammy of awfulness. You have to like go get tried on for this hat. That's like really hot. And then I got like two. It, it was terrible. Okay. And they're expensive. <laughs> but I think it was like seven and something something. Then so I don't remember now. Still in my closet back in my parents' house. George is uh, just yelling. Uh, that, again, the cabinet has just uh, completely changed the feng shui of Jerry's apartment. Uh, no, definitely has. I, I never believed in feng shui before, but now I do. <laughs> All right. So Elaine is with Hal again. And this mattress like never has like sheets on it. Um, yeah. What, right. What is the deal? It's never like a made mattress. It's weird. <laughs> yeah. And so what does that smell? Uh, did something happen to the mattress? And Elaine says she went clamming the other day. Didn't hose off her boots. It's like, oh, okay. She went clamming. Uh, I, I don't even know how that's an acceptable excuse. I didn't even know clamming was a thing until she no. mentioned it. No. Okay. Uh, so 
George uh, grabs uh, Steinbrenner and says, uh, we got a call from the terrorist. The terrorist is back on the line. And uh, George Steinbrenner is concerned with, is it February or February? Uh, yeah, no, definitely the, May, the a pretty big uh, problem here. February, yeah. February. Okay. So we've got the, uh, the, the terrorist on the line. That uh, that he changed his mind. Uh, Steinbrenner says, well, we got Costanza busting his ass on those hats. Uh, I mean, I guess what you do if you had to, like you just do like 27 and one fourth, 27 and five eighths. Like you find the most common hat sizes and then you just like do as many as you can. And, you know, until you run out. So basically you want like it's not like you're fitting all 57,000 people individually. Right. Right. You're you're buying bagels for like a hundred people and you're like, all right, exactly. give me twenty sesame, give me twenty cinnamon raisin. Exactly. Uh, give me thirty plain. By the way, the cinnamon raisin people, that's like the people who get like the the worst type of pizza and it's like, oh there's not one person who wants uh well, I don't know, what's the least popular pizza topping? Anchovies? Well, pineapple. Pineapple? <laughs> da- you know Darren Rovell from ESPN, who's like uh is like a frequent target of Twitter. Um, sure. so he, he, this is a very him thing to say, but he says when he was in college, he would, whatever the worst topping was at a place, he would order a pie with that topping. So no one would want to, so no one would want to share with it. Yeah. If you knew him, it would be funnier. Okay. Uh, I, I'll take your word for it. You don't know Darren Rovell? He's like, he's like the butt of every sports Twitter joke. Uh, I, I'm not that big on sports Twitter, I guess. Were you on black Twitter all day? Like what, what Twitter are you on? <laughs> Survivor Twitter. You're on, I guess, Survivor Twitter. There's no crossover with Rovell. Yeah, I'm on Survivor Twitter. I'm on Mets Twitter. and Yeah, uh, me too. A couple other things. I'm on Survivor Twitter, but then there's Big Brother Canada Twitter. It's it's some problems for me. Yeah. The mute mute on the BBCAN5 doesn't work as well as I'd like it to. Why? You're getting spoiled? No, I I don't want to watch it. I'm not interested. Uh, You're missing out. (laughs) Uh, Well, maybe I'll check it out. If it's that great, you know, uh, see what everyone on my timeline is. All right, so... Steinbrenner it really has a thing that the terrorist needs to have a demand. He needs to have, you must want something. And he says, well, it'd be nice if, you know, you had a rain out, you could call everybody. It's, that is such a 90s idea. It's like, do you remember you had a, you ever have a snow day and like, um, you know, like your, maybe your teacher calls you and then you have to call someone else and there's a whole list. I don't, I, you know, something like that. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. maybe private schools are different than public schools. But like the, so I, f- I feel like you could have like a funny chain of like snow day of rainouts for Yankee games where it's like the first te- hundred season ticket holders call the next people. And it's like a, a chain where everyone calls everyone. It's a good idea, honestly. Now, in a pre internet world, do they have anything like this now? Like if you have Yankee tickets and the game is canceled, do you get like a text message? Can you sign up for that? Uh, you probably get an email. Okay. Um, so, uh, George hangs up on the, on the bomber says, look, we, we can't give in to his demands. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, George is there's there's a limited scene where it's like a very similar scene. Yeah. Just instead of asking for um, what does he ask for the second time? He asked for, well, George Steinbrenner or George Costanza says that uh, like, uh, well, what about uh, Reggie Jackson coming back to the team? And they talk about how he's kind of old and Jerry says he can't. Right. George thinks he wants him as a player and and and. George Steinbrenner thinks that they want him as a player. And George Costanza is like, no, I just want to like a cool guy hanging out, which is true, right? We don't see, we see George interacting with Yankee players in the clubhouse and on the field. We never see like random legendary Yankees like in the, 
in like the office anyway. Right, right. So it's funny that that's what he wants, but maybe that was uh, getting lost on some of the viewers. Maybe too much uh, literally inside baseball uh, for that. So uh, Steinbrenner is freaking out. At, uh, he thinks that uh, George may have provoked the bomber. We need to go close all the windows. Uh, what does that mean? Like he's bombing them from the field? Like where are the windows here? Maybe he could be like launching like a Molotov cocktail into yeah. the stadium. Are they being like a, yeah, is it like they're being attacked? There's no, they're not calling the police. They're just closing the windows. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Maybe he has a sniper rifle and then uh, he can like, uh, like, you know, scope a few targets if the windows are open. Um, I, I just feel like terrorism was a little bit like more quaint back then. Yes, certainly, certainly. So we have Elaine talking with Hal on the streets, talking about uh, stuffed crust pizza. Keeve, are you a fan of the stuffed crust pizza? I honestly am. I was just talking about this with my wife. There's a store near us that still sells stuffed crust pizza, and my kids really like it. So we do get it once in a while. Yeah. Um, um, I don't know what, like what's the difference. It's just like a little extra cheese in the crust. But to me, it's always like a better slice of pizza. I don't think I've ever had it. I mean, you don't remember it was so big with Pizza Hut or Domino's oh, sure, or whatever in the 90s? Sure, but like for like um, my family did not get a lot of uh, Domino's or pizza. Like my father uh, would have thought it was an affront to get a Domino's pizza. Uh, that's As an like, Italian? Like, yeah, we don't eat that in this house. Domino's mm-hmm. pizza. I hear uh, you, but what did you go to better pizzerias or did you right. make your own pizza? No, no, you had to. There were only certain acceptable pizzerias that you could okay. eat from. Right, I'm sure. Like the best pizzerias in, uh, you know, Belmore or or Wanto or America, or whatever. Yeah, I'm I sure remember. I think we might have eaten at a Pizza Hut um, a, a couple of times, but. No, my father, my father would have like uh, his head. There are definitely, I'm sure, like within walking distance of your house in Wanta, there have to be four stores called Gino's Pizza. (laughs) I don't think there's a Gino's. uh, There has to be. That uh, I like uh, Prince Umberto over here. Prince Umberto. Umberto. Oh, what Jerusalem Ave? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like all the good play, all like the popular plays Jerusalem. But you're not a My Hero guy on Jerusalem, man. Uh, no, I haven't been in there. I think That's I've... where you should go for lunch today. You're you're right there. Give yeah. us a My Hero review next week. My brother goes there. He likes My Hero. Yeah. What does he get? I, I have to ask him, Keith. I don't okay, know. Okay, next week. Danny, <laughs> Danny Cesarino, what do you get at My Hero? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, here comes Kramer. And Kramer has like this running gag where he like uh, keeps asking for Hal's last name. Uh, you know, we've sort of talked about Kramer's uh, nominal aphasia throughout the series and he smells Kramer and he puts two and two together like, OK, oh, this guy smells like Elaine's bed. And Kramer does like a weird thing with Elaine where he like says like, uh, oh, I'll get you your keys back. And he says it like in a really like sleazy way and like Elaine yeah. plays into it. And I don't really get like I've never seen these two characters have this sort of interplay before but here it is it's almost accidental they're not even trying they sort of just get there by accident yeah i don't know it was just like a weird thing like i you you know like hey uh, here are your keys baby like uh like why he would do that to her while she's with a guy on a date it's just i I thought this was like really bizarre yeah and also like that kramer keeps forgetting this guy's last name like i understand that that is a very common characteristic of kramer but like kitz miller's a hard name he just met this guy there's no reason he should remember it. It's weird that that's a running gag. Yeah. So 
Uh, that's what's going on there. And, and Hal like, uh, is sort of like, okay, this is interesting. Uh, we'll see him confront Kramer later on in the episode. So George gets out from under the desk. We sort of establish that uh, he has an alarm clock in his desk, gets up and goes to lunch. Uh, we'll see that pay off in a couple of moments. Uh, we see now Hal has followed Kramer to the pier and says, uh, you and Elaine are pretty close, right? And he says, uh, you've been in her bed. And Kramer, again, they, like he doesn't say like, well, uh, yeah, I slept on it once. Like, uh, you know, he's sort of like, uh, yeah, he's like, yeah, that's right. Um, right. I mean, it's one of these like sitcom-y, very sitcom misunderstandings. Yes, very, very sitcom And so uh, it's not still going on, right? No, no, it's not. And so Hal's like satisfied with that. But he's more interested again in what's going on with Kramer in the water. And Kramer says how it's really good for his back. Yeah, he's like oddly concerned and then immediately assuaged and it doesn't really do anything. Right. So it's almost like that. There's like no misunderstanding between Kramer and Hal. It was just like a means to an end to get him to go and see that there's swimming that goes on in the East River. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So Steinbrenner comes in looking for George again and he hears the ticking in the desk and uh, he assumes it's the bomb in George's desk. Fire in the hole. Yeah. Why George doesn't say, no, that's my uh, alarm clock and save the day. Not clear. Yeah. Um, And again, George undone by a ticking alarm clock uh, for the second time in what would you say? Is this the second time in season eight when uh, he gets the sable hat? Is that the early days of season eight? And he steals um, the clock from the woman's uh, apartment. Yeah, so a lot of clocks, clock-based hijinks. Right <laughs> yeah, now. alarm so, clock hijinks. Uh, twi- I mean, twice in one season for for George. Again, there as we've established after 150 something of these, they're not keeping tabs on. Oh, didn't we do that 20 episodes ago? Yeah. All right. So Elaine is now trying to move the bed out. She needs to get the funked up mattress out and. Elaine ends up uh, falling over and the mattress uh, pins her underneath. She has thrown out her back. So we see Jerry at his apartment with uh, Carpenter Conrad. Change it all back. He doesn't want it that way. And now uh, Conrad, uh, I guess uh, appropriately, has a bit of an attitude with Jerry. Yeah, that's appropriate. Yeah. And so Elaine says, uh, Jerry, I need your help. Go get a doctor. Now, Keith, is this a direct callback to that we saw that Jerry knows the back specialist that he sent the Mandelbaums to just a week ago? Oh, interesting. <laughs> Does he yeah, know? It, it, it's not lost on me that it's the second straight week of back-related pain, but I, I'm not sure if we're, you know, that doctor, like, he, did, do we see that doctor? We discussed the doctor. Do we see a back doctor, though? Uh, I don't think so. Now I don't think so. So I don't think there's really like a guy that we're getting here. Now, I think what this was missing was that we had the back getting thrown out sound effect with all three of the Mandelbaums. I felt like that at the point where the mattress falls on Elaine, I think that we should have gotten the sound effect of this is what it sounds like when a character throws their back out on Seinfeld. Yeah, that's pretty good. I think that's a good call by you. Yeah, they did not have that. Okay. Nope. Uh, again, I think that this was like totally like the writers from that episode and the writers of this episode. I, I don't think that they were, you know, uh, sharing their information. Yeah. Remember, sometimes it's written, you know, episode two is written before episode one is necessarily filmed or they yeah. may not, you know, who knows what they saw even. Yeah. 
All right. So Kramer is at the pier and there's a lot of traffic uh, going on right now. And uh, everybody wants to go swimming because Hal's chiropractor is telling everybody how great it is. Um, yeah, I, I mean, th- it's pretty amazing that this chiropractor got like 40 people together on one day's notice to go swimming in a lake without him. Yeah. I mean, if only the Yankees could do this on a rain delay. Do what? On a rain de- oh. Call everybody. Yeah, no, for sure. It's a, he has a really modern phone system, I guess. Yeah, this chiropractor, uh, word of mouth spreads really fast, and everybody a, is uh, ready to go swimming. Popular chiropractor. Yes. Uh, there's one guy that just like jumps in the water, and Kramer says he just sunk like a stone. Should we be worried about that guy? It's a weird little thing, right? Yeah. Like, is he dead? <laughs> it would have made more sense instead of that guy. If like two mobsters came, dropped the body and left, that would have been funny. I think. Yeah, that would have been I, I like I would end up being concerned for that old man. Yeah, I know. I think he's dead. <laughs> OK. All right. Uh, we get the bomb squad robot here, Keeve. Uh, did you like this? Was this too silly? I don't think I think in the context of an already silly episode, I don't think it's honestly that silly. I think yeah. once you're calling the bomb threat, I think bringing the bomb squad is, is realistic. I think the bomb squad robot was fine. We get sort of like the POV from the bomb squad robot. Like uh, I like Steinbrenner's narration of it where like George has a uh, Godzilla on his desk and Steinbrenner's like, is that Mothra? <laughs> and, uh, and then we start with like the chain. I mean, it gets like really ridiculous of like one thing after the next of like, uh, we have a chainsaw cutting the desk in half. Uh, Steinbrenner says no more desks now, just a lucite table. Um, yeah, I mean, this really backfires on George in a big yeah. way. Uh, I like when they open up the drawer and, uh, we see that there is a playboy magazine in there and yeah, pretty uh, racy. Yeah. Um, and Steinbrenner like says to Costanza, like, uh, so uh, empty calories and male curiosity, George. Uh, yeah, no, it's a funny line. I think uh, who's on the cover? L. McPherson. <laughs> I think it might be. <laughs> yeah. Why wasn't it Celica? Whatever her name is. Uh, well, I don't think that Connie Celica uh, was uh, is that type of uh, lady. Keith. How many followers does Connie Celica have on Twitter right now? Uh, Fourteen hundred. Oh, twenty nine thousand. OK. Hey, unverified not bad. though. Not unverified. bad. Not bad. Okay. Uh, Hanging out with Vanna White. Oh, good for her. <laughs> All right. So then we see Kramer. He's in the East River. It's sw- he's swimming. There's so many people there. Everybody is like getting in his way. Uh, but even Elaine comes by on a boogie board, and uh, that she likes it too. So even Elaine is into the East, swimming in the East River. Now, are you buying that Elaine would swim in? Like, even if it was like okay swimming is great for you is it the east river has some sort of like healing properties kramer does say that after an hour in this shop i'm an inch taller yeah i mean to me elaine is too clean to do this i mean jerry you couldn't pay a million dollars to go swimming in the east river but i think right. elaine also i mean is it, there's some sort of like uh almost like teenage mutant ninja turtles like mutagenic properties of uh all of the pollution that has some sort of a healing uh, like that, the, 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 all of the radioactive ooze is somehow uh, regenerating people's backs. I'm not a big Ninja Turtles guy. I thought they just had pizza for that. Uh, they do. They they eat pizza, but there's no like healing property of pizza unless it's oh, like a pizza's video game. not their spinach. I thought pizza was like their spinach. No, they don't like get strong because they eat pizza. They just like pizza because they're teenagers. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Okay. So in the tag, uh, George comes by and uh, that he is looking for Jerry. 
and uh, that he can't find him. And so then Jerry eventually comes home and he opens up the cabinet and George is sleeping up in the cabinet. Uh, this makes absolutely no sense. And I don't even know if this is canon, George. Yeah, I agree. This is maybe the most insane. If I could cut one scene from the series so far, I think I cut the scene. <laughs> it it makes sure. no sense. And I don't no even understand why. why uh, how he got in there. Why he's sleeping in Jerry's cabinets. It makes no sense. He has a house. He has a bed. It's not like he got the funked up mattress. Is there a deleted scene that explains this? I, I have no idea, but uh, this is so bizarre and weird. So bizarre. And why he's sleeping in the cabinet and then Jerry opens the cabinet and doesn't even acknowledge that this is happening. Yeah, no, it's crazy. Like a dream sequence. Uh, yeah, but I think it's real. I just think it's dumb. Yeah, so uh, this episode, uh, we might this might get docked a, a letter grade for this yeah. scene after the tag. All right, Keith, uh, let's talk big picture on the nap. Uh, is this the fi- the last time that we see Steinbrenner before the finale, or are we going to get Steinbrenner again? Is this the last Steinbrenner? Mm, I mean, I guess he, you know he's gone from the Yankees. George is going to be done with the Yankees in a couple episodes, right? Yeah, I be- I be- yeah, I believe we get one more Stein. Okay. All right. So uh, we have uh, one one more until we get to, uh, and then he's back for the finale. And overall, I think that you know uh, this is uh, pretty fun. I don't know how much things really uh, tie into one another. You know, we do end up with the uh, East River and the mattress uh, storyline becoming uh, kind of intertwined. But other than that, the uh, Steinbrenner storyline really exists in its own universe outside of anything going on with Elaine and Kramer in the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jerry is involved uh, with the George stuff, but not so much with Elaine and Kramer. So, um, you know, a, f- a fun romp. Yeah, fun episode. Not one absolutely iconic moment. What but, is you know, the most than, iconic moment? What is the... In uh, this episode, I mean, I can't, you know, ju- the idea of George being under the... Um, sleeping under, under the, the desk, desk. Yeah. is probably the, like, if, if again, it, using, like, what, when you ever, whenever you say what's the most iconic moment, if I was explained to a super casual Seinfeld fan, uh, by the way, casual, I got a, I got a, uh, an email from my sister yesterday. Apparently on a Seinfeld uh, Survivor podcast, I referred to her as a, a casual Survivor fan. Yes. Which I don't remember. But uh, so she wrote in, she's like, is that a bad thing? You made it sound like it's a really dirty word. She was like offended. Mm-hmm. Um, she's like, I watch all the episodes. What does that mean? Casual. They don't know they're casual. Um, yeah. <laughs> so. She doesn't listen to this, so I could talk about her here. Okay. Um, but uh, ca- casual um, Seinfeld fan, and I was saying, like, you know, it's the episode with. So I, you'd have to say it's the episode with George sleeping under the desk. Okay. All right, Keith. So let's go through it. Uh, Jerry with his cabinets uh, that that it's almost like uh, other than Jerry gets cabinets, there's really not a lot for Jerry to do here other than be. No, I mean, he's connected to the he's called the calling in bombs is much funnier than the other stuff. The cabinet storyline, I give a C to. A C, uh, okay. I have uh, no issue with that. C for Conrad. Uh, what about uh, George w- with everything uh, sleeping under the desk? Yeah, I'll, I'll give it an A minus. I, I, I'm going to dock George for the insane scene at the end. No, but dock I, I think... Jerry for that. Don't dock George. Oh, interesting. So then I'm giving Jerry a C minus. Yeah. And I'll give I'll give George the A. Yeah, everything with George is funny. That's that's an A. That's that goes for, for uh part of the cabinet story more than the uh George taking naps uh story, even though George is taking a nap in the cabinet. Uh so all right, Elaine and the uh and Hal and uh the bad back. Yeah, I mean 
Um, the, the Lynn and Kramer storylines are pretty cross-mingled here. I'll give them both like a B to a B minus. Um, I think this episode is a little bit more than the sum of its parts. I think on paper, three of those four storylines are really weak, but the episode itself isn't that weak. I just don't love Hal and I don't love Connie. Yeah, I'll say this. Uh, I don't think there's anything funny that happens in the Elaine story. I agree. I, the Elaine story is not good and Hal's an atrocious actor. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's not like embarrassingly bad, but no, I'll, definitely give, not. I'll give it a C. Yeah. And this is an episode that's considered like a top sort of 50 or 40 episode for sure. Yeah. Um, and but Kramer yeah. swims in the East River. Yeah, it's fine. It's all it's not much going on. I'll give it a B minus. What anything docked for the blue screen? I'm not going to dock Kramer for that. That's not his fault. But uh, yeah, they should have taken those scenes out. Honestly, hey, the, those are you going to dock it for the bad there. dock? Oh boy, dock for a dock. <laughs> I, I think the dock was fine. It was the background beyond the dock that <laughs> yeah. was the issue. Okay, dock uh, was a real dock. B minus seems fine for that. All right, so Keeve, uh, in the overall episode rankings. Uh, let's see. Did you tip your hand by saying how highly regarded this episode is? I will say with that in mind, I'll say you have it at 46. No, I don't think it's that high. I just think I have too many issues with some of, you know, minor things that happen in the episode. I have it all the way down at 76. 76. Okay. There you go. All right, Keeva. Uh, let's get into the Seinfeld mailbag, uh, that Seinfeld at post show recaps is the email address, or you could run into me in a public place to <laughs> verbally ask. Your Don't question. knock on Rob's door, but if you happen to see him at an airport, you are welcome to yes. send in a voice. Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. And uh, millennial Max told me he was going to watch the episode on the plane and then email me in the morning, but uh, did not come through with a question about the nap. Listen, you know, those millennials, they, they're, they're too busy. I'll their... talk. I'll talk. <laughs> All right. I am a millennial. I can't. I can't this millennial. Johnny De Silvera says, uh, "What was the last song either of you two got stuck in your head?" My my daughter sings the Sugar song. You know the Maroon Five song with the wet. You, you know what I'm yeah. talking about? <laughs> okay. She, yeah. loved, she sings that all day, and then my little son sings it. So they. I thought of like a good wedding prank. Okay. You, you, have you seen that video, the Adam Levine video, where he goes with that song? Uh, Keeve, I haven't seen a music video since Neither uh, I, but this is like, Black it has, Friday. Okay, fine. But this has like 10 billion views on YouTube. I also, I actually use YouTube to listen to music sometimes, like live concerts or whatever, but uh, I never watch them. You know, it, I just, uh, I just let it go. Um, but uh, it's just like a cute video. That my kids like it. It's uh, Maroon 5, like goes around LA to a bunch of weddings one day. And, and like, you know, they come out from behind a curtain and like they're the musical entertainment and like they surprise the it looks like they're surprising people. I think I, you know, I read an article. I think they're surprising the bride. And in at least a few of them, it's it's staged. But one or two of them, it's actually a real wedding in L.A. OK. Um, but anyway, I thought it'd be funny if if I came out and sang that song at a wedding, like as a friend. <laughs> they like pulled the curtain. It was me like sugar. Yeah. I don't know. Like a William Hung situation. Well, maybe uh, one of the weddings that we MC, we could have that. as. That's right. Or maybe like Chester, Chester's second wedding. We could prank him at. <laughs> okay. Uh a bunch of people you say in the notes. Uh did you see that Krista Klump from Redemption Island is naming her baby 7? See, I like that because I'm sure other people have named it 7, but uh you know, 7 Klump if that's what the kid goes by is an amazing name. Yeah. Uh that is pretty amazing. <laughs> um so I, I have no further comment on that. Uh okay. that there's uh so many uh worse things that she could have named a baby. So sure. seven Russell. Yeah, Russell Jr., right. Uh mm -hmm. I think that, that uh, seven uh gets off pretty easy. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, uh, Keith. What about Jim, the physics correspondent? Uh, Jim, the physics correspondent. He says he took a nap on top of a desk once at work, legs up and all. But unlike George, no one was likely to see him through a window. Where's the best place one of you guys have taken a nap? Hmm. I like this question. Best place to have taken a nap. I mean, is like I, I've not napped in like any unusual places. I'm not like a mile high club napper or anything like that where I've uh, taken a nap somewhere exciting. Have you? I, the, only, I, I, the only ones I could think of are one time I invited dinner guests and my wife like didn't really want them. because She didn't know them. And I'm like, don't worry, I'll, I'll like entertain them. And then they got there and I was really tired. It was like late on a Friday night and I fell asleep. I was like snoring at the table mm-hmm. and she was like yelling at me to wake up and I didn't get up. Right. Um, that was bad. Also, one time, my, uh, my I don't know if I've told this story, my father um, is the rabbi of the synagogue, and he um, sits facing the congregation, but there's two seats next to him. So when I go there, I frequently sit next to him. And okay. so I've fallen asleep in the seat facing the congregation a few times also. That's not ideal. That's not ideal. Yeah. <laughs> like during his speech, if it was boring or something. Uh, I, one time when I was like, uh, in the summer, I think in between my freshman and sophomore year in college, I worked in like, uh, a electrical, uh, goods store. Uh, it's, a, mm-hmm. it's a, like, uh, I, I, that I ended up, I was a temp and they, and I got sent there and then they were like going to pay me like eight, eight fifty an hour. And I was like, oh boy, okay, I can't, that this is too good of a job to pass up. Uh, I just stayed there the whole summer and a lot of the they just had me like clean like this big warehouse and I would like scout out places uh, where I was like, could I could I go to sleep in like uh, behind uh, this box here? Uh, would anybody get caught? But I was just so scared of like waking up to like a bunch of people like uh, standing over me. Um, yeah, no, that, I mean, sleeping at work is really the ultimate. Yeah. OK, so Keeva, Kayla from Atlanta says, uh, how would Jerry have George Steinbrenner's number? And also, how would he have the ability to get George Steinbrenner to take his call? Well, the first time he didn't call George Steinbrenner, he just called Call the secretary. Yeah. Listen, if you have a bomb threat, you can get through whatever you want. Yeah. Maybe Jerry has a copy of the American League directory. (laughs) That's a good point. They're just lying around. (laughs) Yeah. All right. What about Lindsay? She wants to know how we feel as swimming as an exercise. She thinks in theory it's good, but it seems like a lot of extra work. She'd be much more into it if it wasn't freezing seven months of the year. Well, first of all, I believe, Lindsay, you're living in a cold climate, so... Uh, it's always freezing. And, and you know, in, in L.A., Rob's not, it, you know, that's not an issue for you. Um, my issue with swimming is all the dressing. You you yeah. like going to the pool. You have to go get changed, like then put your clothes somewhere. Then you're getting wet, which is gross. And then you're like changing and then maybe like take a shower, you know, depending on where you are and then changing again. And then you have these wet clothes. And what do you do with wet clothes when you get home? It's a lot of work. I used to take a college swimming class at night. And one, you'd come out of the class freezing cold in like the New York winter. But it was it was awful. Just the changing was the worst part of the class. Yeah, it's rough. I mean that I have been exercising this year, but I like it, what works for me is just that I could just go in my garage and and exercise and then be done with it. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of extra steps too. If you don't, have you know a pool what it is also house, if if you swim it right, if you have a pool in your house, fine. But if you swim in the middle of the day, your your body's tired the rest of the day. It's like that's it for you. Yeah. All right. Coach Jason wants to know, do we have any thoughts on the attractiveness of Connie Selica? Oh, boy, this is going to get us in trouble. Since Rob and Keeve are 10 to 12 years younger than me and don't have the positive views of the greatest American hero like I do, uh, but she was quite the hot topic in my pubescent years during the too short run of that show. Probably right up there with Aaron Gray of Buck Rogers in the 25th century and Silver Ooh. Spoons. One of Kiva's other favorite shows, uh, Buck Rogers in the 25th century. Oh, uh, Buck Rogers. 
Keeve said last week that he doesn't talk about the attractiveness of another man's wife. And in this instance, it's probably a good thing unless he wants John Tesh on his case. But I remember her being pleasant on the eyes. So, oh boy. Uh, so John Tesh's <laughs> wife is uh, Connie Selica. Yeah, 25 years. Yeah. I mean, let me look at the image search of her. I Again. Uh, I know what I, she looks like now. Right? Yeah. You know. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, I mean, I think George Steinbrenner said it best. Uh, Connie Selica, you know, nothing wrong with that, right? Yeah, um, she's turning uh, sixty-two this year. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I think we should just take uh, take our emailer, uh, Coach Jason, at his word on this one. Uh, he could be yeah, the sure. Connie Selica attractiveness correspondent. Perfect. Okay. Um, Mike C says, if only Elaine had gotten an award-winning Casper mattress instead of the one from the lumbar yard, she could have just boxed it up and avoided the whole trouble of getting trapped. Yeah. Uh, the the beauty of a Casper mattress, uh, never smelly. That's right. What about Lisa? Are they smelly? The Lisa mattress? Oh, I have no idea. I think so. It's funny how many mattress companies advertise on podcasts. Yeah. But not Sleepies. But we should get Sleepies. We should maybe send an email to Sleepies and be like, the other mattress companies are slaughtering you guys, manslaughtering you guys in the in the podcast game yeah you want to get on board we're listen we're yeah, we're, leave we're off like the a, last s for slaughter <laughs> we're like or the m at the beginning is for man the the um we're you know we're we're a train that you should want to get on i mean yes we only have like 20 something episodes left but you know sleepy's that's exact sleepy's also only has about 20 episodes worth of their company existence so right we're a perfect match <laughs> and trust us uh you know hop on one of those mattresses Turn on this podcast. You'll be comatose in 90 seconds. That's right. And there's no bed bugs in this podcast. So yet. Unlike, unlike possibly, you know, what Sleepies has been purported to have. Yes. Um, Dep- Matt in Massachusetts. Depends where you're sitting. Matt in Massachusetts. Where is he, what does he have to say? Jerry said that Kramer was swimming from the Queensboro Bridge to the Brooklyn Bridge. I'm sorry, but this is not realistic. Those two bridges are 5.8 miles apart. So a round trip would be 11.6 miles. Michael Phelps swims an average of eight miles per day, uh, nearly four miles less than Kramer. Yeah, I, they may have messed up the math there. Yeah, maybe he was just being a little bit like, uh, you know, um, that that was not exactly canon. It's like, oh, I'm swimming from here to there. Right. Uh, Ariel says, back-to-back episodes with a plane hijacking in one, bomb threats and terrorists in another. What's up with that? What's up with that? How come they don't do what's up with that anymore? What's up with that? Um, because uh, I think that maybe we underestimated, like maybe Keeney doesn't want to do it. Uh, Bill Hader. He must not be. Yeah, Bill Hader isn't there. He was. Uh, I mean, Keenan's probably leaving soon. I feel and, like he's got to throw one more of those in before. And, and I feel like Sade. I don't think that Keenan is ever leaving. Uh, and then uh, Sadekis dancing, I think, was a big part of it also. That's true. But I mean, that, he's been on this show for like six years without one of those sketches. Yeah, they haven't done um, it in a while. All right. It's also hard to imagine or remember other comedies that use terrorism as a trope in the 90s. Can you think of any? She vaguely remembers Joe on the Facts of Life trying to make Obama one point, but that's about it. And that was probably in the 80s anyway. Yeah, I don't yeah it's, it's a little bit for a sitcom. It's a little weird. Uh, yeah, it's dark for a network sitcom. Uh, again, I don't look at this like the last week's plane hijacking episode. And I think that Jordan Kalish uh, uh, sent us a message and saying that he or maybe on Twitter, he said, He's yeah. seen the English patient in syndication. Yeah, a bunch of people say that it's on TBS, yes. It, oh, it is on TBS? He said that it, w- yes. it wasn't. Yeah, a lot of people wrote in and said that it's on TBS. Okay. Um, so, but I don't consider this to be like, uh, this was sort of like that they thought that there was a, a bombing as opposed to there was an actual hijacking going on. Like, I think right. that it was like a misunderstanding of, oh no, it's a, it's a, that there's a, uh, somebody calling, is calling in a bomb threat. 
uh, but it wasn't a real one. So I, I don't think that this is uh, an issue like I had with uh, terrorism from uh, the hijacking of last week. Yeah, and David says uh, he doesn't understand why George is napping in Jerry's cupboard um, when the episode was about George finding a way to sleep at work. Building a secret spot in Jerry's apartment seems more like a Kramer move. I think that makes sense. I think he's right. That's fair enough. And Chester finally says... I have the same problem as George. At my first two firms, I had solid walls on my offices and was known to take a nap or two from time to time. My new office has glass walls. Terrible for naps. What kind of monstrous office architect would do that? Obviously, someone who does not want the employees taking naps. (laughs) Yes. They want to see them podcasting through the glass. Yes. Or at least uh, like, oh, boy. Look at Chester. He looks uh, look. He's like hard at work. Look at him. He's like uh, yeah. really like sweat uh, pouring down and he's really working on like the yeah. uh, Chester Can't... roommate <laughs> rankings. That's uh, right. Updating the list. <laughs> I hope I hope Dr. Jen is number one in the roommate ranking. <laughs> Can't bring any ladies back to the uh, office either with uh, with their glass. Yes. Also, the Chester says uh, Hal doesn't sit on park benches and his wife doesn't sit on subway station benches. And he is also banned because she read once they have bed bugs. The, the subway station bed. So what is he has to stand if they're on the subway for a half hour? She makes him stand. I'd rather get bed bugs than can stand you, on the subway. Can you get bed bugs? First of all, why don't the poles? Surface? You have to you have to hold onto a pole if you don't hold if you don't sit. You don't think the poles have bed bugs if the benches do? The poles have bed bugs. They, they, the they poles are gross. The pole. I like. Yeah, I, I like use like my shirt. Rhino virus. Right. Yeah. But you get like West Nile on the pole. I feel like that that. Maybe I'm wrong about this. I feel like that bed bugs have to live on like a like a fabric. Like they yeah, I don't live. think. I, yeah, listen. I, I you know I don't know if she's a doctor or anything. I wouldn't trust her opinion. Okay, uh, and then finally, uh, Chester was complaining about uh, the construction in a rental, but he adds that I don't know if this is a hot take or not. I love Conrad's redesign for 20 years, and always <laughs> thought Jerry made a mistake by reverting back to the other kitchen. Listen, Rob Troll's gonna troll. That's what Chester's doing. Here. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Uh, Keeve, what's the hashtag today? Uh, something manslaughtery. Something with manslaughter. Mansla- man- How about a hashtag manslaughtery? Manslaughtery. That's good. Okay. Just the Y at the end of manslaughter. Okay. Uh, that's good. What's coming up next week? Uh, next week, we got a, a classic. We got the yada yada. Oh, good. Tim Watley. We got Kramer and Mickey going on a double date. We have Elaine and some adoption. And we have, uh, of course, George's girlfriend saying yada, yada, yada a lot. Yes, and uh, we have uh, Grace from Will and Grace, right? Yes. Okay, so uh, that's very exciting coming up uh, next week. I will be back in the studio for that one, so looking forward to that. Of course, uh, thanks so much to Scott St. Pierre editing uh, this version of the podcast that uh, hopefully uh, not too many edits in uh, this one. Uh, I feel like that we were uh, mostly on point today. Couple, yeah, off topic, times but, off topic but not nothing got cut, I don't think. Right. We didn't say anything really even. Right. Uh, no major mistakes uh, to this point. Of course, thanks to Mike Moore, who writes the recap of the Seinfeld Post Show recap. Uh, Keeve, uh, what's coming up on 32 fans? Just more college basketball? No, we got Greatest Americans bracket. Uh, the Greatest Schwab American Hero bracket? Yes, the Greatest American Hero bracket will rank the theme songs of every <laughs> 70s. Connie Selica, yeah. That's right. Well, ooh, maybe Selica wants to be the judge for our uh, the hot takeoff <laughs> since it can't be you. Oh, by the way, do you want to name right now or do you want to wait for next week at an episode of Star Trek I have to watch since I lost the bet to you. Uh, people are saying uh, to go with a see. I, I some people are saying that to have you like watch the uh, what is widely considered to be the best of 
uh, Star Trek Next Generation episode, which is a two part episode. But I think I might want to have like the like the the most uh, wacky, insane one. I think it might be the most fun to have you watch, just to have you really have no context for the show and watch something ridiculous. Um. Yeah. No, that's fine. Um. As long is it a twenty minute show or an hour show? <laughs> an hour. Oh my god! Don't and people were like a two parter. I'm not doing a two parter. You said last time you would do a two part episode. Oh, I did. Okay, but then I take it back. Jessica Lee was like giving suggestions. And now I'm nervous that maybe like this is going to become my thing. I'm going to become like a Star Trek guy. How many episodes are there like overall? I think like a hundred. I think it might be like 180. I think it's like Seinfeld. Oh my god! Can you imagine like my next podcast, me and Jessica Lee doing a Star Trek? It podcast? might not be that high. It might be like 155. Uh, oh. How? Oh, that's that's basically what we're up to now. So just three years. <laughs> three yeah. years of Star Trek podcast. What if like that? Like, I feel like my wife. That's that's an instant divorce. Yeah. If I even like mention Star Trek, I think she's out. Okay, 178 Star Trek Next Generation episodes. Very close Almost the exact same. Almost, maybe it's fate. <laughs> maybe it's destiny. I don't yeah. know. Okay. All right. So, uh, again, I'd love to get those suggestions from you guys on that. Keith, anything else? I think that's it. I think, uh, you know, we'll see you next week. Hopefully, I'll sound a little better. But um, uh, good, good luck in New York. Uh, have Break a leg at your live show, and uh, we'll speak next week. All right. Sounds good. Take care, everybody. Bye.